Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. One fifty-four. Ash and I talk about coming from under-resourced families. We talk about our academic performance and feeling disposable to our parents. We talk about our fears of having children of our own. And I don't mean that we don't like children or that we don't want to ever be parents necessarily. I mean, I certainly like hanging out with my nieces. And I mean, hey, as a non-parent, kids are great. You hang out with them for like two hours, then you just give them back to their parents, right? Joking aside, I mean, our fears of having children revolve most likely, certainly in my case, around discovering our abusive parents have embedded harmful habits within us that we reproduce much to our probable shame and self-resentment at the time then. Stuff is complicated when you've experienced violence or abuse. If hurt people hurt people, that might make it easier to understand how your parents got to where they are. But what does that mean about you if you're hurting? What does that say about how you treat others? And what does that say about how you might treat your future children? Have you ever not been read as Indian? Mm, I don't know. Not really? No, I don't think so. Fair enough. Like, I mean, I've been read as the wrong kind of Indian, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, there's that, yeah. Right, you mean like uh, feather, not dot? No, 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 no. I mean, like, why aren't you wearing a turban? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like, because I'm not Sikh. Wearing a turban. I thought you were like Indian, or like fuck again. It's just you know. Okay, I guess I've been Pakistani as well a couple times. I've definitely. Did I tell you about the time that a white guy in Alberta sat me down to tell me how Pakistani immigrants were the problem with Canada? What? Like, so I was at work. And this guy who I worked with sat me down to to talk to ramble his racist rant basically and talk about how like you know fucking packies they're the problem with them like <laughs> I'm like and I'm sitting there just like amused at the whole conversation because I almost said to him 
you know, fuck, as an Indian, I feel compelled to agree with you. But then I was like, <laughs> right? as a Canadian, I know that's not true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Not being serious. <laughs> Indian, I feel compelled to. Agree. Any Pakistani folks out there listening, we love you. We're not actually throwing shade. Oh. It's just... No. Kind of, it's one of those situations where, as I'm sure, if you're Pakistani out there, you've been mistaken for Indian, most likely as well. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. brown people at one point or another get mistaken for. Yeah, I feel like if um, it's like, I I mean, I'm dark enough, right? So like, sure. it kind of narrows it down. Like people, I mean, if you're right. gonna call me like. Iranian or Afghani like bro come on that's not even you know that's not you know that's not even come on you know that's not right <laughs> whereas I get I, I don't get Arab often I get Mediterranean more than I get Arab Mediterranean huh I I'm guess dead get, serious I guess you can kind of pass for like a Greek person with your olive-ish skin right now at this moment I you could possibly pass as Greek Fair you, enough. You could. I also got Italian. Um, Italian, yeah. Then people just start guessing. Um, of course, they only get so many guesses because if someone says, where are you from? You know, you get that racist fucking. So here's the interesting thing. It's like, it's not necessarily racist in and of itself to say, where are you from? But in the context where there's nine white people and one of us, and of course they ask me where I'm from and they don't ask any of the nine white people. I'm like, I really like color me. Oh, really owl because <laughs> I like uh, throwing people off completely and just being like, like, no, oh, you're covering your mic. Oh, sorry. When people are yeah, just no like, you know, when people say that and I'm just like from Ladner, like, no, no, oh, no. Oh my God. Yeah. Where are you from though? I'm from Ladner. South Delta from Ladner. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Where are you actually from? From Ladner. Yeah, super, <laughs> super racist. Super racist for them to ask a second time. Yeah, from fucking Ladner. What do you mean? Where am I from? <laughs> no, it's fun to play sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I think it's the only way I cope with it is like people ask me where I'm from and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm from Richmond. They're like, where are you actually from? I'm like my birth certificate says Richmond. <laughs> They're like, well, but where, where, like, where are your parents from? And I'm like, well, my dad was born in Vancouver and my mom was born in South India. And they're like, oh, then suddenly I fit into a box. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was like, oh, okay. You're, you go here. Yeah. You're uh, one of the, yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's interesting how people do that. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like, how people, like, that where are you from when you're just saying that? Like, mm -hmm. when people are just like, where are you from? Like, after they've asked, like, ten times and they've gotten it wrong and then they ask you, you're just like, fuck, just tell me where the fuck you're from. But they, they say it like, like. You know, they say, where are you from? But they mean it like that. And it's just like, oh, yeah. gosh. that's why, yeah, it's fun. That's when it gets fun to uh, make them feel as stupid. Oh, it's, it's, it's so much fun to be like, guess, it should be obvious. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And if you think if you think it's fun when you play that game, it's extra fun when I play that game because I'm mixed. Yeah, you can really play around with it. <laughs> oh, I've I've screwed with people so hard over that question because like if they ask me a second time, I'm like, let's play a game. <laughs> Actually, just for like your brand of white, we'll call it your brand of white. Sure. Uh, what are you, are you English or are you? <laughs> See, I appreciate, I appreciate how straightforward that was. Um, yes, my dad's, my dad's British, so I'm, I'm English on that side. Catholic okay. as well, both which your, is uncommon. Both your, both your dad's parents are? Both my dad's parents are British and Catholic. Actually, technically, I think my grandfather was Anglican, but he converted for her, I think. Right, right. Okay. I don't know. I thought maybe, I thought maybe you were one of those marginalized white guys like the Irish Oh, don't even get me started on <laughs> marginalized white cultures. Don't worry, Ireland. We love you, too. Uh, no, but sorry. Go on with your story. I just, want, I just wanted to know what kind of – just what kind of white you were. <laughs> <laughs> I like to know. Like, it's just the like, the oh, colonizing okay. kind that was behind the massacre at Amritsar. <laughs> the, the, one, the one I the one I don't like. <laughs> yeah, the one the one that very few Indian people have a lot of love for. <laughs> Thanks for the gin. See you later. <laughs> yes, thank you for helping with the railroads. You may go. Yeah, and we're calling it fucking Mumbai now. That's right, and it's going to be Chennai. Yeah, and it's going to be Kolkata and Bengaluru. Yeah. Oh. Uh. So yep. before I cut in there, you were talking about shit. Oh, right. Playing, playing games of having people guess where I'm from. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to mention as a side note, when someone who is a marginalized person asks me, you know, like, what's your ethnicity? I'm much more comfortable answering that question because that question can be used to establish safety. Right. So basically you asking me like, what kind of white are you? I'm like the most dangerous kind friend. <laughs> um, but, uh, but when, when people are asking, like if someone black is like, Hey, where are you, where are you from? And they mean it in like an ethnical, ethnical, wow. An ethnic or heritage kind of an sort of way. I don't mind answering that question about my heritage or my ethnicity because it can be like, Hey, I want to establish if you're a safe person to talk about this with. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause if I'm like, Oh, I'm actually Italian. They might be like, coolsies. I am not going to bring up black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause you don't want to be, you don't want to be like the Brown person talking about, um, I don't know, pick any Brown movie that's been popular. There haven't been that many. There's the one that had MIA, um, in it that was like the who wants to be a millionaire plot line slumdog millionaire oh yeah i guess she was in that yeah she was she did the i can't even remember what it's called now but she did the train sequence which was really weird because i was in chennai i i went with my mom i won't say went back because i was born here but i went to india to visit and take in some of my heritage there um and we're in chennai in the south and i was on a train And I was listening to it and I had it like in a list of songs and it just became one of my favorite songs that, that like spring that I was in India and winter and spring, I spent five months there 
And then I saw Slumdog Millionaire when I got back and I was like, oh my God, that was like the song I listened to on those trains, except they were the South Indian version, but the trains are really similar. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, we could do a whole episode talking about India. I don't know. Have you, have you ever had a chance to go? No, I've never been to India. Have you had a chance to go to Fiji? Uh, Yeah, once when I was a kid for a funeral. Yeah, I went to India when I was a kid as well, but I had a chance to go back because my, unfortunately, grandmother, my Indian grandmother was dying, uh-huh. um, but we, she was dead by the time we got there, which was pretty oh, sorry to hear unfortunate. That. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't good. My mom was really upset about it, and the way that my uncles had sort of handled it, my mom was really not happy about that, and then it turned into like this huge confrontation, lots of drama, so basically... Um, the, I don't want to. I don't want to say the brownest story I could tell you, but it's like, like pick any Bollywood movie, make it a lot more boring, and you've got my mother's life. <laughs> uh. <laughs> like, there's just like, like nothing seems to be able to go quite right for her, and even when things are like middle of the road, she's just she has such a, in my opinion, such a negative perception of things that's just like she's so primed from like you know, like having younger siblings die of malnutrition and like having to parent younger siblings after dealing with like, Oh, both of my parents are in hospital because of a suicide attempt, like that level of like really intense trauma. So like this episode was going to be a little bit about like uncertain, uncertain, um, feelings, like being in that space of like, so yeah, apparently there's like this horrific trauma in my family and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to think about it. I don't know how to feel about it. I guess it kind of informs who I am today. It might be the reason I'm so dysfunctional, but like, what the fuck do you do with that? Yeah. I don't know what to do with that either. That's, that's a nuclear your waste right there basically you're holding on to it's yeah it's super dangerous yeah like i don't know man like i got something similar too in my go for it and like yeah go for it just like family is very fractured after basically my dad mom's my dad's mom passed away it kind of like is just like it just seems very much in our culture to behave this way. I think yeah. it's, I mean, I don't want to point to trauma as like the boogeyman that is like responsible for everything. But I feel like <laughs> when you come from scarcity and poverty, like you don't, you're really poor in coping strategies and you're really rich in trauma and shitty experiences. And that is exactly what it is. I feel like that is exactly what it is. I didn't know how to say it, but yeah, that not being able to deal with shit and just like, oh. just go to work about it. Like, you know, yeah, just go just to work. Tie, just ties right back into the whole like agreement thing. Yeah. Right? You know, like that, yeah. was, that was the coping mechanism. Just go to work about it. Whatever. Don't talk about it. Or, yeah. or on the flip side, you know you pray about it or whatever and it's just like well that's not necessarily you know i mean to an extent yeah can help a little but you know the action needs to be taken yeah 
yeah and rely on you know burying it with you know work or you know praying about it and not dealing with the emotional side that's yeah that's the key is that the even if there's praying or working because working can be a healthy way to manage stress if yeah. you don't re excuse me if you don't revisit and f- actually attempt to fix the problem you know like if you solve the problem by being really violent and scaring people and then never talking about it that's not really a solution that is not a solution it should never be yeah and yet so frequently it gets used as one am i sideways right now sorry to cut you, you. definitely sideways but that's okay whatever's comfortable for you man i can my phone is plugged in and like I that's just... fine you can just leave it like that that's good i'm just gonna do one thing here yeah like what's uh been your experience with that whole like <sighs> dealing with trauma you mean like or, or just like dealing with emotional issues see for me it's weird because like you like Mine is so much clear cut, like my trauma, right? Right. The generational trauma. Right. Because it relates to indentured servitude slash slavery. Like, I'm just like, like, what about you? Right. Where does your, where does your pain? It's, it's varied. Um, I dealt with, I dealt with a lot of intense racism. I mean, we all did, but like. I don't know. I was there's, there's like, it's one thing to, to experience racism and just be like, wow, all these people don't like me. But like, I don't know. Kids like attacked me on the playground. Cause I was also like abrasive as fuck. Like, <laughs> well, because my parents were always fighting, right? Abrasive. A little bit. You're smart. I think people were intimidated by that. I mean, that might have been a part of it, but I didn't have to be such an asshole about being really smart. People know, but I'm going to say it right now. Like, this guy is, was smart. As <laughs> he still is. I'm telling <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I definitely thought I was smart when I was a kid, and it got me into trouble. So, like, there were reasons. And, and I mean, I was disagreeable as a kid too. Like if people were in my opinion, wrong, I would be like, prove it to me. Why do you think that's the case? Like I was one of those like irritating philosophers where like people are like, calm down genius. Like we're not going to solve all the problems of the world here on this playground and suddenly end world hunger. Like why do you, why do you have such strong opinions about it? But I had strong opinions about everything. So like, that's why I use the word abrasive it was like, yes, you can take the view of like, I was very smart. You can take the view of like, I outperformed in all my classes. I was bored in school. So I underperformed in my classes and then outperformed in them. So did I tell you the, how I became a good student? Sorry. Did I ever how tell you, be- you how I became a good student? I thought you were just, you know, an overachieving ground kid. Like, what's, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you. I'm just joking. How did so, you? I fucking coasted through all of my education. I didn't take it seriously. I was bored out of my tree. All of People your just... education? Like, the time so, that I knew you in, like, elementary yeah. school? Up up until grade ten, I didn't study ever. Like not once. You were I one know, of those so people. I was one of those jerks. So I was getting like B minuses all the way through school. Like C plus B minus all the way through school. Never study. And 
our science teacher. Do you remember Mrs. Salt teaching science 10, the gym teacher teaching oh, science 10? That's the salt that I do remember, Mrs. Salt. I had Mr. Salt for gym. He was great. I appreciated him. Um, I appreciated her too. Actually, she was really good as well. Um, I remember I thought it was boss that they drove a Subaru WRX wagon. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Like, that's right. that's so, a very, very, very good. I mean, they're a, teachers. How fuck very, are they fucking? Very good <laughs> automobile. How are they driving a $50,000 car, man? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anyways, that's, that's a good question. I have yeah. no idea. Um, but that anyways, basically, no. Yeah. So you had, um, the science, so I had science. the science teacher and yeah. she was, she was literally trying to coach one of my bullies who was having a meltdown over, over failing this test. Cause he had, he was, he was essentially failing science 10 mm. and, you know, looking back, he acted out a lot and he was mean, but even though he was a jerk, I was also a jerk. And like, he wasn't violent with me. So I do feel bad about rubbing it in his face in that moment, but he's having this like sort of crisis. And I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. This is like one of those times I finally get to feel good about myself because this person who's always putting me down, I actually get to see them in a vulnerable moment. And this was because I was packing up all my textbooks into my backpack. I was so afraid of getting beaten up in high school. I, I carried all of my textbooks with me. I didn't go to my locker. I was always on the move. If I stopped ever, it was in the library so that I couldn't get beaten up. And I still had people attack me in the halls occasionally, rarely, but occasionally. Yeah, that library area was safe. Library area was safe. If I could get to the library, I was good. So I just developed a bit of a hunchback in high school because I was carrying around three 500-page textbooks in my backpack all the time, plus my binder. Yeah. It was intense. And people I knew I took school. Too, actually, for so the same reasons as well. So people thought, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. But people thought I was really serious about school because I like carried all my textbooks around. And I'm like, no, I'm just really serious about not getting beaten up. Yo, that's like my entire high school centered around like everything I did, I did to like stay no. Yeah. No, intact and by 100%. intact in like my face and my yeah. fucking fingers. And we my went to school with clothes. white supremacists. Like we <laughs> went to school with proper white supremacists who went to fucking meetings. Did they? What? So do you remember, and I don't want to name drop too many people because like... I don't think they are today, and I think they would be really upset. To, I mean, in a sense, though, I'm like, you went to a meeting, you should own it, be accountable, and be a better human for it. But, like, Joel and RJ definitely definitely went to at least one meeting. Do you right. remember them? Joel, who? Sorry? Joel and RJ. I'm not going to use their last names. In your grade. Yeah, I liked both of them. They were both like I thought really stand up people, and I'm sure they were. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But you know, the thing is, when you're in with those like highly Christian groups, as Joel was, like it's not. It's like it's a stone's throw sometimes to get to the white supremacist groups. And like literally, I was like, "Why did you go to this white supremacist meeting?" And he was like, "Well, I went because RJ went." And I'm like, "Why did RJ?" Go? It's, it's like. What, Marge? Why are you and the kids in the car? We're going to talk Armitage area and it's coming back. Or it's like, why are you and the old lady in the car? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just keeps going. That whole gag on The Simpson keeps going. It's like, okay, well then, why is 
why are the kids here? Because we couldn't find Grandpa to sit for them. Then why is Grandpa here? And Grandpa's like, because Jasper didn't want to come by himself. <laughs> so yeah. it's like full on referencing the Simpsons for you poor folks who do not, um, who are not able to follow my wacky banter. Um, but yeah, so literally it was like, you went to white. You went to a what? Like why? And he was like, well, I went cause Archie went. And I'm like, then why did Archie go? And he's like, well, you know, RJ goes. Actually, you know what? He didn't even offer an excuse. You know what he said? He said, Victor, it's not about the, it's not always about the hate of the black man. It's about the love of the white man. What? I'm talking proper white supremacist, man. So like, I, I get it. Like people may have not liked us for a lot of reasons. They may not have liked us because, you know, I was abrasive. I thought I was really smart. Like definitely there were reasons for people to not find me likable in high school. You know, I would have people. And and the fact is I was flamboyant. Like people thought I was gay. And in the nineties, that was a crime. Like people fucking attacked me. They called me a faggot all the time. Like it wasn't good. Someone once pelted me with a pine cone in the back of the head so hard it knocked me over. And I was like dazed. It almost felt like a stone. It was one of those really big pine cones, not one of the small ones. Oh, fuck. That sucked that day. I remember just being like, I like dropped when it hit me. And then when I got back up, I was like, who, who, who threw that? Like I looked around and there was just nobody. And I was like, well, whoever fucking tried to take me out is long gone now. Thankfully, they didn't follow it up with like kicking the crap out of me because i was in i had nowhere with all to defend myself yeah Shit, we were talking about something though um, we were talking about right things we did to keep safe in high school um all oh, right and then i was talking about um what made when i became a good student um right yeah so basically basically this this teacher was like well i mean um, basically my bully was like, well, it's not like, you know, Victor has to try. And I was kind of like shrug. I didn't say anything. And the yeah. teacher kind of, kind of made it happen because the teacher should not have asked this, but the teacher was like, well, no, Victor definitely has to study to get the marks that, you know, they get like, w- like, why don't you ask Victor how much they study? And he was like, how much do you study? And I looked at him and it was like, there was this sadistic schadenfreude kind of enjoyment <laughs> that I got out of it. Cause I fucking, I never bullied that kid. He was always bullying me. And it was just like being able to look at him and be like, I don't study just the most hurtful words I could have offered that poor soul in that moment. Oh, that must I, I, I regret I, it looking back on it. I feel really? bad about it. I'm dead serious, man. Like looking back on it, I'm like, you got some, some poor kid. Like, I don't even know if that kid was white. He was probably mixed like me. And like, he had his own shit he was dealing with. And like, right. yeah, he was an asshole to me. I was an asshole too. I'm sure he would view that exchange under the same <laughs> fucking like, right. you know, and also if you're failing a class and someone's effortlessly killing it, like I would be pretty upset about that. Like that would definitely like, I can see how that would upset a person. So I try and look at it with like as much compassion as possible. And just like, remember like he was a bully, but he wasn't the kind of bully that beat me up. So I don't actually like resent him. Whereas like all the people that beat me up in school, I don't like them. I'm still not good with them. Right. Right. Especially the super racist ones. Oh my God. Yeah. We had some super racist people in our grade. My God. Some of them made my life a living hell when I was younger. 
But without talking too much about them, I became a good student because she was basically like, oh, you don't study. And it was like this light turned on for her. And she was like, why don't you study for the next test? And I was like, nah, I'd prefer not. And she's like, no, seriously, you don't have to study the rest of the year. Just give it a genuine chance once. And I was like, pass. And she was like, really, seriously, I understand you don't want to study. That's okay. But seriously, prove me wrong. Just study for one test. Please just consider it. And I was like, all right, I'll consider it. And then I went home and I was like, yeah, she says it's going to be a really hard test on mitosis. I'll study. This test had 10 true or false questions. It had five, sorry, it had five True or false questions, 10 multiple choice. I remember this because this was an emotionally impactful moment in my life. I remember getting that test back. It had short answer. It had long answer. It was a hard test. I studied for it. I got 32 out of 32 on that test. And then, you know what happened? She nullified the results of the test because it was too hard and other people didn't study for it. You know how much that bully kid got? Uh, how much? Take a guess. 10 true or false. Or sorry, 5 true or false member and 10 multiple choice. What do you think a fail would look like on that test? A fail. Because it's anything less than 16 is a fail. Yeah, yeah, But you've yeah, got yeah. to account for the 5 true or false and then 10 written. Um, sorry, the 10 uh, multiple choice for his test what do i think what do you think he got with his level of like with how much he was struggling beforehand he probably got like he probably barely passed no so, he didn't pass. no, he got under passing he yeah he did fail take a he wild did, guess he did fail he did he fail got, so a number between one uh, and 15 or one in 15 or one because well, there, th there were 32 marks on the test I'm just going to say, like, he got, like, eight. So that's a reasonable guess. If reasonable you had... Guess? It's a reasonable guess, because if someone were to literally take, like, a marker and randomly dab that page, they would get zero on the short and long answer. They would get 25% in the multiple choice, which is two and a half. And they would get half on the true or false, which would be five. So you would expect... You'd have to know the right answers to do worse than a five. Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you he got a zero? Oh, shitty. That is brutal. Really? So after that exchange we had, oh. I scored a 32 on the test after studying. And, and he scored a zero. And that's why I feel bad about it. Like, but did he study or just he just didn't do shit or like? I have no idea. But regardless of whether you study or not. I feel bad like that. You, your, that experiment. That was, think about it this way. That was an experiment for you you right yeah. like that was how i realized that i should probably start studying at school and how i realized how easy grade 10 tests were if you just studied for them i'm like yeah <laughs> like they give you all the answers in advance just like read the answers before you walk into the test and you'll be fine yeah <laughs> oh man crazy so yeah. that's what made me a good student that's what made me a good student continue to be a good student yeah, I continue to be a decent student. I um, I started working really hard because I wanted to go to university and not have to stay in Ladner. Mm. 
I just wanted to get away. I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to, to do something with myself. I was so ambitious and motivated when I was younger. Fuck, where did that go? I know. <sighs> I, uh, I also have the same thing, too. It's like, oh, God, where did it go? You know, my um, one of my partners tried to kill herself like really early on, and I was never quite the same after that. It was like when I was in university, too. So I was like 18 and a quarter <laughs> back when we still measured age and like abs. Um, but it was just, it was a really traumatic experience for me. And that's not to say in any way that it's her fault. Cause it's not like, I understand that mental health is mental health. And like, again, like no shade to her. She was dealing with her own stuff and it had nothing to do with me. But at the yeah. time I didn't know that I was 18 years old and I was super socially and emotionally stunted. Like I just didn't have the coping strategies for my parents. I didn't have healthy relationship skills modeled. I had no clue what I was doing. I was 18, but I knew one thing, which was I was pretty good at school. And when I, when I worked really hard at school, my dad was really happy with me. And it felt like one of the few ways where I felt really loved. I know that sounds really sad, but it's kind of true. Yeah. I know he would be sad to hear that, but I watched how he went from, you know, your brother is doing really good things in the U S at university. And then when my brother failed university, it was like all of his attention and focus 100% dropped off my brother. All of a sudden I wasn't competing with him. It was just like, no, he's, it was like, he's out of the running. I'm not going to like waste attention on him right now. He's figuring his own shit out. How about you? What are you doing, kid? Like, let's go. Like, what's your, what's your schooling look like? What are you, what's your plan look like? Are you going to become a doctor? How's this going to go? And I was like, yep, I will definitely do all those things. I wanted to be a doctor. It sounded good. Everyone in science wants to be a doctor when they're in first year. It's like more than 80 or 90% of us. Really? Yeah. And then you go to your class and you've got fucking your organic chemistry teacher being like, look to your left, look to your right. One of the three of you will pass this course. Let's begin. Chapters one through 10 will be review. I'll expect you to have them done by next week. Let's begin on chapter 11. Oh, shit. That was my organic chem experience um, for the second semester of, no, that was second year, first semester chem at UBC. That sounds very intimidating, like just like, right? I honestly think they do it on purpose. They want to fail as many students. Yeah. I mean, they, they will claim they that they... Money you if they fail you? Oh, yeah. Well, like, so here's the thing. Money, right? Like if it's, you fail and you... like, It is easier for them to turn out first and second year classes than it is to turn out third and fourth year classes, or so I've been told. In any case... It's also by design because whether they want to fail you or not, people have failed in the past. And whether that's due to teaching issues or just like the difficulties of life, there are a lot of reasons. So I'm not saying that it's like, you know, university is a scam. I'm not saying that these teachers are terrible. That particular teacher could have been better, wasn't as sensitive as possible. Um, but, you know, in major universities, um, higher sessional faculty, that's what you get. And sessional faculty is cheaper than tenured faculty. So you end up getting really great profs sometimes who are tenured and then good and not good profs when they're not. It's mixed bag at UBC. Right. I've see I never went to university, so Oh, got it. Right? Like I, I went to VCIT. I'm a welder. Right? I mean that's so, that's university too. It's yeah, just I guess I was never in a classroom, right? Like I never right. had to deal with a professor or do midterms or like I never got, got a, it. a reading break, you know, like like <laughs> you know, like I was always either in school or working or both. Right. Or right. 
like I just it was and like when you were in school and when you're in your trades person like it's just going to work basically it's yeah. like right except for right so like for me it, like I, I've never got into the world of I don't know right. what it's like for university and sit in a class and deal with a professor and and then like, deal with like and being intimidated like like that to me sounds scary but to be there and like have him be like yeah you're all just like fucking wasting your time here basically and yeah 60 percent of you are wasting your time yeah like that, that like that's keep scary. in mind whoa keep whoa. in mind this is you are literally dealing with all of the me's that got out of high school we're dealing with people that are like really into academia like they're going to ubc intentionally they want to be going to that school like yeah you get a lot of people that just go just because but like not very many and like everyone is stressed about failing and to be honest the second you're failing you are treated like a garbage human none of your friends will hang out with you at least that was my experience with the exception of a couple of good friends but like people don't want to associate with you they're afraid they will catch the failure um that you reek of it's really unfortunate. That was my experience because after my partner tried to kill herself, like I did fail that semester and I just remember no one being there for me. Like I reached out to people and they just, they were just like, oh man, I remember even talking to a person who was really eager to talk to me about a class until they found out I was failing that class. And then they really did not want anything to do with me. Oh man, that's crazy. That's very militaristic. Nobody likes a washout nobody likes right. to wash out it was right. a weird right. experience yeah that's crazy that's well because people have to impress their parents they can't fail like it means more yeah. than failure it means being a failure to your parents yeah that's very true yeah there's there's a lot of pressure there tons of pressure but i mean all that to say there's definitely a class divide right but i mean you've made more money with your post-secondary education than i ever will with mine uh well i mean that doesn't mean shit because i sure i mean and stuff happened right yeah <laughs> you know part of me wishes i if i could dial it back i'd probably like i don't know i don't know it's man. okay like, man i often think about no well i mean like just like like uh like career wise i often like i don't know just going off on a little tangent here like you sure. chose like a career in academia and i like like i often wonder it's like man what if i like went to like university and like but it's like what would i do i don't know it's i'm not really good at that kind of stuff but it's like well i wonder what i would be like if i went the other way mm-hmm. i'd be yeah, a free crane type of guy would i have an apartment in the sky with a radio show well <laughs> <we're on> radio. <laughs> you know i don't know yeah it's crazy to think about yeah life is so diverse in all the places you can end up and i think no matter where people end up they always look at how it could have been worse or better yeah maybe it would just be different it would just be different, different problems. Yeah. Having more money probably caused you certain problems that I didn't have as much of a problem with. For sure. I don't, I don't, the workload is insane to me. I don't understand yeah. how like a student is supposed to do well. I don't know how a student 
it's supposed to function. Like, mind you, I've had friends who've done it. Yeah. And I've had friends who seem like they were getting through it a lot easier than others. And, you know, you could tell why in some cases. And Yeah. Right? But, like, by and large, like, it just seems so ridiculously hard to be a student, particularly... <sighs> I mean, I can only speak to Vancouver and, like, as far as other places in the world, I can only, sure. like, you know, TV and whatnot, what tells me, but, like, sure. going to school here, UVC, and being a student and then working and then studying, like, that, like, is an insane, like, I don't know how. I, I worked you, and you studied for, and, like, for, like, two semesters. And it definitely affected my grades. And I will definitely say for anyone going to university, if your family is wealthy enough for you to afford it, for the love of God, don't work. And if your family is wealthy enough for you to stay on campus, for the love of God, stay on campus. If your commute is more than 30 minutes, like just don't do it. For me, I I mean, I guess this is more of a moot point now because people aren't going to school. They're like doing it from home. Um, but like for me, my commute was an hour and 20 minutes by bus both ways. I know I sound like an old person saying both ways, but it's like two and a half hours every day gone just in transit. Like that's insanity. But like yeah. I came from a poorer family and you wouldn't get a car. That's just not what you did. Besides yeah. if I got a car, I had to pay for a UBC parking. I had to enter a lottery to get a parking spot at UBC. Yeah. But you know, what's that's, ironic. I had academic distinction at UBC um, before I failed and they actually gave me preferential placement. So my brother used me to get a parking pass preferentially so that he could park his car because he was a little more successful. He would, he'd worked more. I won't even necessarily say as more successful because as much as I think so, I think he would say the same thing you're saying, which is like that he doesn't think he's more successful, even though I'm like, what are you talking about? Mark, you wildly successful. <laughs> yeah. Workload's insane. It's insane. Honestly, you, you can't you can't do full-time sciences and work and not have the work affect your grades in full-time sciences unless you are some like amazing human that can do things that I can't conceive of someone doing which maybe you are <laughs> oh yeah that's crazy um when do you sleep what I basically didn't I, I had a I had a depressed partner with whom I was in like a codependent relationship with. So I would literally get up at six, get on the bus, be at class for like 8am, be in school all day. Oh, and by the way, did I mention science? Sciences have labs. So I would have my like five hours of lecture, basically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I was doing five classes. And then I would have my labs on Tuesday or Thursday and labs are three hours long. And there's depending on the lab they're every week to every two weeks. So like one sec, my phone alarm is going off reminding me to take my meds. I will just snooze it and take my antidepressants later. Um, right. So like one semester I was only taking four courses. So I had four hours. No, I had three hours Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which wasn't too bad, but then th all four of the courses had labs. So I did three three-hour labs back-to-back -back on Tuesday, which was a nine-hour day without breaks. And then I did one three-hour lab on Thursday. Oh, boy. So it sounds like, okay, so you're talking 12 hours there plus nine more hours. So you're doing 21 hours of school a week. How is that difficult? And it's like, well, you now add 
two and a half hours of transit every day, Monday to Friday, which is like 12 and a half hours. So you're up to like 33, 34 hours. Then you start factoring in, okay, but during your day, you still have to go to the bathroom. You have to eat at some point. And uh, did I mention that usually you have to put in at least the number of hours of class time just in homework afterwards? So you're starting to talk, okay, you add like another 21 hours to that. So I was doing 42 hours of schoolwork and, you know, homework assignments and the labs were every week. Uh, so it's like you're doing 42 hours of school plus transit that puts you at like 54 hour weeks. Plus you're trying to work, you're trying to go to counseling, you're trying to deal with like, like that's just a bad recipe. That's a recipe without support. Ash is what it is. And this is what it all comes back to. You know, my brother had the same issue, right? He dropped out of university. I dropped out of university and then later went back and finished my degree. Um, in fact, when I went back, I, I'm very proud to say that I was um, Dean's List for two semesters, third year. That was when I really cared and was really trying. And Dean's List means you have an all A average where you have more A pluses than A minuses. Nice. And I did that for two semesters in year three of an all sciences program it was ludicrous but i wasn't working so you couldn't have done that working to devote to it you had the proper time and resources to make yeah that's that's right and honestly like if i just had better family support if i'd had better emotional intelligence if i'd had better modeling of how to be healthy in a relationship if i'd known those things earlier fuck the places i would be if i had just had the movie like up or like inside mm-hmm. out or you know what i mean like if i had had pixar when i was a kid even that would have made a difference <laughs> right yeah i just look at the mean... shit kids are learning these days and i'm like it took me years to figure that yeah. out I know, right? I uh, I watched Big Hero Six recently. And I was just like, oh my, oh man, you're making a grown grown man cry. Yeah, a grown man who prides himself on being a brutal death metal listening fucking <laughs> like is about to cry right now. <laughs> yeah. Like oh man, yeah, those movies will definitely like yeah, kids are like. They, they have resources now, right? And then it's not such a stigma to like. Before it's like, oh, you're depressed. Like that means you're crazy and you want right. to kill yourself. Now it's, it's like, are you depressed? Like, shit. Like, there's like, here's like, here's like a million resources, and like, we're all here for you. I mean, depending, right? Depending, yeah. but yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it's more accepted now. Like. I think so too. And it's also not very accepted in Brown communities to be going to counseling. It's not accepted in Brown communities to be medicated. Like again, I'm making generalizations, but no, it's not, it's not at least in, in my experience, it hasn't been. And it sounds like the same in your experience. I mean like, well, I mean, no, not so much anymore. Right. Before it was just like, what the fuck? When what's wrong with you? Like, why do you need that? You don't need that. Now it's like, oh shit! Like, definitely go do those things. I it's, yeah, my parents are super supportive now, but that's I, great. They understand. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. And all it took was ten years of rehab and relapse. <laughs> yeah. No, they've been some more and more supportive each year for the last like couple years. So yeah. sweet. I'm yeah. really happy to hear that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, a little bit at a time, right? 
Rome wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. there's just some things I know are never going to happen. So it's like, whatever. You take what you can get at this point, right? Like, I mean, time is a factor. Let's just say that. And yep. like, why nitpick at the shit that you're never going to just, just be happy with the progress you're getting with the time that is left. Not saying that there is a end date, but shit, I'm trying to use the right words without saying, <laughs> without saying the obvious. I feel like if I say it, that means I've said it. It's like, you know, whistling on a boat. Otherwise you'll, if you whistle on a boat, you'll stir up the wind and you'll cause the boat to, like, you know, if I say what I'm, to say. I, you're you're thinking of like one day at a time without saying one day at a time. No, I was thinking more like yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. I'm probably being very cryptic to your listeners. Are probably like, what the hell? This guy's way too stoned right now. No, it's totally it's <laughs> totally fine. Honestly, if you hadn't said anything, I think people would just accept that you're just like slightly stoned all the time. I yeah, I am. A little bit all the time honestly it's it's like it's what works for you you were talking about like one of the questions you asked that i kind of dodged and i didn't mean to dodge it but i also get sidetracked really easily was you asked like where does my pain come from mm. and i think for me um you know getting slapped around at home and told that i was worthless by all the people yeah. at school and then feeling worthless because i constantly got like you know, you can do better. You can do better. Every report card I brought home, you can do better. Like you're really, you're really throwing it all away. Like you're not like, I really got that vibe, especially from my dad, like really hard on me to do better in school. And, uh, yeah. And then at a certain point, I guess I kind of started agreeing with them. I was like, yeah, maybe he's right. Like maybe I am actually really smart and I just really haven't been applying myself. And then grade 10 happened and I was like, Oh, no, my dad wasn't being an asshole. He was just right the whole time. <laughs> like I just was depressed literally like, so I've gone back Ash Neil and I've like read the self-help books that are like, like the whole brained child is a perfect one by like two neuroscientists. And they're like, they do this whole book on like, how do you help kids, you know, deal with health, developing healthy mental health, basically. Like how do you produce a whole brain child? You know, you do it by helping them integrate the hemispheres of their brain. You do it by helping them regulate their brain and their body. And like, they go into great detail about like how you can approach kids at different age groups. And then, then Ash Neil, they come up with a yellow alert list. That's like, here are warning signs. If you see any of these in your child, you should definitely take corrective action or like consider seeing a counselor and it was like yep 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 not that one yep yep and then they're like here's like the really serious you should definitely you have to intervene now take them to a counselor this is really bad kind of list it's like the red alert list and i was like yep not that one yep 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 not that one yep yep i was like what my parents like they just like saw all of this and were like, Oh, that Victor, you know, it just reminds me of like Rick and Morty when summer's like in the middle of that race war. And she's like, why can't you people see you're the same. And Morty comes over and he's basically like bite out of the apple. Like, Oh, summer first race war. eh?" <laughs> Which episode was that? Um, that is from the unity episode where Rick has been dating unity. So it's, it's, it's actually quite good. It's a very depressing episode and it finishes. Um, 
you know what? I won't say how it finishes, but if you remember it, it finishes really darkly. I'll just say there's a content warning for suicide. And that is all I will say about that. But, uh, wow, we crushed it. We talked about, oh, I still dodged it. I didn't answer it. So this idea of pain is like, it comes from a lot of places and I think I've done like a lot of work on it, but like, honestly, that suicide attempt was one I blamed myself for, for a long time, which is again, not her fault in the least. It's very much a, it, it comes back to like, when you grow up, it doesn't have to be brown. It doesn't have to be black. It doesn't have to be indigenous. It can just be unresourced, but it just so happens those things tend to go together. When you grow up horrifically under-resourced, when your family comes from a scarcity or poor mentality, right? Because poverty is a big piece here, um, which is correlated with race. But again, like it's poverty that I'm talking about mostly. You grow up and you, and you, you know, like your mom is screaming at you to close the fucking fridge door because you, they, we don't have the money for electricity. Like that's how I grew up with my mom screaming at me to close the fridge door because if I opened the fridge door, one, it meant I was probably going to start snacking and that was food and food was expensive. And two, it meant electricity and electricity wasn't expensive, but it was expensive for us. So it was like, we couldn't keep three digits in the bank account. Like it was, it was bad when I was growing up and it got better as I got older. My dad got a better job. Um, my mom went to work, um, once I was old enough. So like we figured it out, but, uh, it comes from, you know, like I still remember the feelings of the shards of cup and plate that my mom would throw at me that like I'm one cup specifically exploded right next to my head. Cause I slipped on the floor cause I was wearing socks and it was a vinyl floor in the kitchen. Um, and I remember the shards scraping across my face. I remember that feeling like it was yesterday. Um, so like pain comes from feeling disposable to my parents. Fuck. Does that hurt? Feeling disposable to my parents. Yeah, that's a highly relatable one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Uh, sorry, just to double back for a second. For this is related to what we're talking about right now, your checklist thing that you were yeah. talking about earlier. It's crazy, first of all, that like, uh, when you're going through that checklist, there's you realize how much is actually going on with you, right? Yeah. And then, like, it's weird. You know that old saying, I forgot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I, I've forgotten more about blah, blah, blah than you'll ever know. Like, Right. I, I just got reminded of, you know, the, this version of pain that you're talking about. Yeah. I got, I forgot about it. Like, there, like, it's like, I, I, I'd like you have a very long list checklist too yeah and it's just like holy shit you just reminded me of the this and it was just like oh man yeah i forgot about that one <laughs> wow yeah i kind of just pain. reminded myself about it because i had to think about it like i had to think hard i was like when i think about pain i you know i think about my partner's suicide attempt which is like something i've worked through in counseling but, you know when, when you're 17 and your partner attempts for the first time you know, and, and you get multiple attempts over your relationship and they've had multiple attempts before. And you're just constantly trying to show this person that, you know, understands your trauma that you've trauma bonded with someone you really deeply love. Like I loved the shit out of that girl. She was so important to me. And then I look back at how we treated each other. And like, I was not a good partner to her looking back. I'm 
almost ashamed of how bad, like I'm not ashamed in the sense that I recognize where I came from. I recognize how under-resourced I was and the way I treated her was 100% unacceptable. Looking at it today, I'm like fucking embarrassed at myself because I treated her really badly. I think the word abuse is totally reasonable. At the very least, emotional abuse. We weren't physically abusive with each other, but like, fuck, yeah. We didn't treat each other well. And she, I mean, again, she had her own trauma and I don't want to make accusations or anything and dig up something that's more than 10 years old at this point. But like, it was a... Your own, yeah. Just speaking from my own experience, it was it was a bad time, and I'm I'm really embarrassed by how I behaved in that relationship, and I will never treat someone like that again. But uh, you know, you come from a really under resourced place, and you got to learn that shit the fucking hard way. And I really learned it the hard <laughs> way. Yeah. And it was people like her who paid the expensive cost for my learning how to be a good human being. And I genuinely regret how I treated her in that relationship. And the funny thing is, after our relationship had ended, years later, when we met, I remember talking to her over coffee and saying I thought the relationship was emotionally abusive. And she was like, it wasn't emotionally abusive. Like, she really didn't feel like it was. Her opinion might be different today. But at the time, the last contact I had with her, because we stopped talking after that, was like, it wasn't emotionally abusive, really? Like, you thought it was emotionally abusive? Looking back from my lens today, I'm like... Holy shit, we both had so much work to do. Yeah. So much work to do. Yeah. But it's I mean crazy. like same thing. Traumatized people, right? Same. Like hurt people hurt people. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have the yeah, I, I feel the same way as you. Uh my last relationship, same shit. It's yeah. I yeah, it, I I haven't had like you've obviously had way 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 more time to like ref, like like I'm still quite Mm. I don't want to use the word consumed. Sure. It sounds too extreme, but I'm like still dealing with like my whole, like what you said, how, how like you have a hard time like looking at yourself back then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm same way. Right. Like I have a really hard, like she paid the cost for my. Yeah. Learning. And people around me did. And like, it's just like, Oh fuck. Like it's hard to, it, I guess I'm not on my way to where you are now, I guess. And I'm, yeah. Like, yeah, I can see like where you are at now. Like I'm, I'm on my way there, but it's like hard to, uh, Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to visualize myself getting there because the it's so fresh. Everything's still so fresh and I'm dealing with it and it's very, but like what, how you explained your situation is like what I'm going through right now. And like how yeah. you view yourself that like, I'm doing that right now too. Same, like, it, like how, it takes, what, it takes a lot of what you just said. It's Yeah. It does take a lot. It's unfortunate that yeah. sometimes it takes like the 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 cost by the end is so great like for me anyways like the cost yeah. is just astronomical 
So this, this ties into exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about intergenerational trauma, this idea that every generation tries to shovel as much shit as they can off the shit heap, um, and, and hopefully shovel more than they add, right. That they had to deal with, you know, whatever it was really intense poverty, having family members die from malnutrition in the case of like my lineage or more like, you know, indentured servitude in the case of your lineage, you know, when you're dealing with those things, they pass all that dysfunction and all that, that the, the best that they can possibly give you from the lack of resources that they started with. If there's a lot of noise in the background, it's because two adorable cats are playing with a ball right now. So it's actually really fuzzy and wonderful over here. And it's kind of helping. I, I thought I heard a cat meow here, here actually. There's definitely a cat or there's <laughs> actually two. Um, oh, Cute. And they're currently like pouncing on each other because it's like eight fifteen. <laughs> so they're like they're in, they're enjoying themselves. But yeah, but this intergenerational fine. trauma piece is really important because the way we see our parents treating each other in their intimate relationships is obviously going to impact our own. And like I don't know how your parents' relationship was, but like for my mom and my dad, they were always fighting. I can remember you know two in the morning, like six hours until I had to like well, like five and a half hours till I had to be up just being stiff as a board with stress in my bed. As my parents screamed at each other at the top of their lungs, that was like regular. It was almost every night. And what that does is it conditions your body to not be able to let go of the stress response. And then you're just chronically anxious and stressed. And that's how I was my, my whole life until, you know, my partner tried to kill herself. But what was neat about school just bringing it all full circle is it gave me a way to harness my anxiety and focus it on something productive. So school was almost therapeutic in a really twisted sort of way. I was still very unhealthy because I took all of my anxiety and just drove it into studying. And that's why I was so successful. Mm. It's like I did, I was Dean's list and I did so well because all of that tension, in my body could be pulled into a rigorous regimen of study and performance. And just like, you got to get up. It's like, you know, it's super early, but you have to fucking get up and you have to fucking do this. And I was just like bullying myself all the time. Like, you know, repeating the same kind of patterns that I got from my parents and my bullies, just like, it was really intense. It was really awful. And like, it was a long time before I learned how to tame that inner critic a little bit and like dial it back and just be like, you know what you're attempting is really hard and it's okay that it's hard. And like, you know, being able to be a little more careful with myself instead of being so like mean and just like channeling the like anger and hurt of my parents, you know, into my internal monologue, I could start letting some of that shit go and just trying to be there for myself as a parent should be, in my opinion. So like kind of going more from this angle of like, if, if I look at how hurt I was as a kid and I kind of think about all the hurt parts of myself today as that, like an inner child, I have a much easier time putting all of those panic responses and all of those like anxiety responses outside of myself and then saying like, it's okay. Like that shit happens. And like, it happens because there's history there, not just my history, but the history of my forebears as well. So it's like, you know, my mom had to witness her mom try and kill herself. And I never had to witness that. My mom threatened to kill herself, but she never actually attempted. And that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> right. So it's like, if I'm ever a parent, I'm just not going to threaten to kill myself. And like, I could be the shittiest parent in the world and be like, you know what, kid? I'm doing better than my parents. 
but at the same time, I'm terrified of having children. Fucking terrified. I love the idea of having kids, and I don't know that I ever will have them because I'm so frightened that I might at some point find a rock bottom in all of my fatigue and sleepiness where I will start recognizing my mom in myself or my dad in myself, but especially my mom. And I might just be like, oh my God, I can't live with myself. This is too traumatic and I can't kill myself and I can't threaten to kill myself because I have a kid now, but also I can't live with myself treating my kid this way. It's like, I I don't want to have a mental breakdown where someone else's future is tied into it. It's, it's a thing that's like definitely gotten in the way of like being intimate with partners and has certainly gotten in the way of like, you know, being, having kids for sure. Yeah. I can relate to that. Fucking it's, hard. Yeah. It's my current, uh, also my current thing for not being in a relationship or never wanting kids either. I'm terrified yeah. of it as well as the fact that it's just like, oh, I'm the mo- least qualified person <laughs> to have a kid. Like, like honestly, like, I like can't. It's a very good thing that it never worked out for me. Like, I mean, or like not for me, you can, for, the, for the kids, for the, for the kids that never like, holy, for the kids you never had a like dog, like, like I, I'm sure like their spirits are like, you know, like, like, like I like to believe that they're around and like they're, they're all, we're all good. Cause I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I made a mess with them. I did a little thing, but like, um, I feel like they're also like going fuck man. Look at the, like they're like right next to me right now going fuck man we dodged a bullet with this dumb dumb didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time they're just like all right well we're still rooting for you so but fuck man like least qualified like like I couldn't imagine what would like also like you love the idea of it but like mm, I like sleep too. You know, <laughs> right. sleep is good. <laughs> I heard uh, that doesn't happen a lot when you have a kid. And, yeah, there know, are definitely silver linings to, um, there are definitely like silver like linings. Little things that keep me sane that I know that I wouldn't get if I had a kid and I would like, I, I just don't have the resources to like keep myself on a good frame of mind. the last thing you want to do is turn into your parents right when you're like or like as far as yeah yeah you you don't want to repeat the same fucking crazy if if i say that with my friends who had like healthy upbringings they're like oh yeah totally they're like yeah i wouldn't want to turn into my parents either i'm like no no you don't understand i mean i don't want to beat my children i mean i don't want to accidentally hit my children in anger even if I don't beat them, because that's almost, I don't want to say it's worse, but there's something about when you get struck by your parents regularly, the fear of it is still there, but the stress of it like reaches a peak and it just like, can't be more stressful than it is at a certain point. Mm. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's like the second strike is never, it's like the first cut is the deepest. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 And honestly, my parents were masterful at saving that first strike. My dad, after like about age six or seven, didn't hit me. But there were times that he threatened to. 
And like my mom still hit me, but she also threatened to hit me. (laughs) (laughs) They knew how to use fear. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of not having the resources to respond in a way that produces healthy, well-adjusted adults. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to beat them. I don't want to. And I, and I don't think I would do those things. I genuinely don't think I would, even if I were pushed, I, I can't imagine myself doing that. Ash, to be perfectly honest, yeah, I but the fear, yeah, oh, the fear. I'm terrified. Yeah. The risk, right? That's the thing that keeps, it's like the risk. Let For me, it's just like, my sister is going to be, have to be the one like, sorry, yep. I'm not, I'm, it's, a, and she doesn't want to have kids either. So like my I'm sister, sure. I, I, same I, deal. My sister was the yeah. one, my brother and I do not have kids. We both yeah. kind of want kids or kind of terrified. I think he's going to have kids. I th- I honestly believe, I don't think he believes it yet, but I think he's going to have kids. Right. Right. So, I mean, it might have, right. Like, He's also like five years older though, right? Like he's hitting 40 now and you know, he doesn't, he wants to start spreading his legacy around, you know, I honestly think, I honestly think he'd just be a really great dad. Like he just really loves a lot. And so I wouldn't know, but like, yeah, he was captain of the football team. He's going to be a great, he'd be a great. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. He's nothing like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're just, he's not nothing like we're both compassionate people, but um, he's just like, he was captain of the football team. He had all the, all the ladies, like he was that guy in high school, Mr. Popularity, but like the Brown version, (laughs) (laughs) which is like Mr. Sort of in with the cool kids, but like on the field, he's all that. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. Would, he would play games as the quarterback on offense and the corner on defense so that he was just running the whole three hours. Holy crap. Like he was he, when he, when he was an athlete, he was like, and he still is, he still plays tennis at like a ludicrously high level. And like, like he, he actually goes and gets coaching. Like when he try, starts into a hobby, he takes it so much more seriously than I take it, which is hilarious because in high school I took everything seriously and he took nothing seriously. But now that we're like adults, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just too depressed to even bother. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm really depressed, but I'm going to go see my tennis coach. And then I'm going to go see my guitar coach. And I'm like, how are you so good at these things? (laughs) He's just so good at things, but he obviously doesn't believe so. I don't think. Well, that's, he's sounds like he might be doing a fake it till he make it sort of thing. Oh, he's just, yeah. I just don't understand how you can mislead yourself to believe you're not good at things that you're that good at. Like I've, it'll hit him. He'll just be like, Holy crap. I am the greatest human. (laughs) (laughs) He'll just be like, I am transcended. Like that's, you know, you, you touched on, you, you touched on it. Exactly. He's afraid (laughs) of, of leaning into what he perceives to be potential narcissism, which (laughs) I think I think he sees in my dad. I honestly think he sees narcissism in my dad and he doesn't want to be anything like that. Right. Right. Oh man. So there's that. Uh, yeah. I recognize. And I, honestly, I don't think he's over how condescending my dad was to my mom. Mm. And my dad was condescending to my mom and like, don't get me wrong. Like my mom was, recovering from a lot of trauma in her life and wasn't recovering. Like she wasn't going to therapy. She wasn't doing the things culturally. They weren't things you did. Um, certainly not even, even hell, even in white culture, it wasn't really popular in like the eighties 
but uh, we could go on forever. And I think we need to wrap the episode because it's over an hour and I'm actually <laughs> late for an appointment. <laughs> so oh. I should go do that. All right. Well, you do that. But uh, yeah, man, it was good chatting. It was great chatting with you. Let's do this again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, you have a good one and uh, stay safe and take care of everyone around you. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. Okay. Always <laughs> have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. So how was it, Intimates? Let us know on Patreon or start a discussion on Facebook. And if you want to keep being super awesome, you can help us out by going and leaving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Social proof like that helps so much. You can also just tap share on this episode and send it to someone you think might like it. Thanks so much for helping build the community and the show. I look forward to chatting with you on Discord or writing back and forth on Patreon. The intro music was Show Me, the instrumental version by Josh Woodward, and this outro music is Arrival by How the Night Came. Thank you so much.